This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Welcome everyone, today I'm with Ma Ananda Sarita And I hope you enjoy this beautiful dance This conversation that we're about to go on <clears throat> And as always there will be other information Of how you can engage with this beautiful divine being and I just like to say that she came into my world, come into our world, Dara's and our mine, and we, yeah, we met because of these experiences of the quarantine and the lockdown, and it was a very <laughs> unexpected encounter. And then we started to be in the close proximity of where we've been living, and I had the absolute, we had the absolute gift of being able to go and retreat. Uh, in that space because our community was allowed to engage with each other. So I got to actually share some many days with uh, with you and that was a lot of fun too and receiving your teachings um so we will dive in uh, the, the, when i think of you there's so many things i could ask and, and so on and like i said there's no agenda to these conversations but i'd love i'd love you to just maybe share what's alive in you in this moment how you're feeling or maybe what's you know what's really real for you uh, what's been going on for you maybe and just you know in this moment and also, this podcast is really about opening the invitation for people to open their heart, for, for humanity to open their heart. And mm. for me, that's really been, I would say, a, a dedication of yours for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I, of course, want to dive into a little bit of your backstory because I think it's amazing. I don't know if I'm going to get you to tell jokes, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. It's right. one of my superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, how, yeah. How are you feeling right now? What's, uh, what's going on? Right now, I feel very uh, quiet and blissful. Mm. So this is just my inner state at this moment. Mm. And as you can see, I'm living in such a peaceful and beautiful place on the edge of the rice fields. And the, the peace and the nurturing quality of Bali all around. Mm. Very healthy and radiant, yeah. nurturing Enriching. lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I'm used to traveling almost all the time, teaching. Like basically I was living in the group room almost non-stop for right. over 20 years. Right. So this lockdown has given me the opportunity to just pause, stop, and enjoy life moment to moment because it's very difficult to plan in this situation. Right. So for the first time in many years, I'm living without any schedule. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and that feels like an opportunity for also you to receive and appreciate all the work that you have been doing or I don't even really like to call it work that, that word doesn't really do it for me I would say more this um, vision mission service that mm -hmm. you've been offering for over 20 years but definitely the last 20 years yeah. and you want to maybe share a little bit of that just to kick us off with, in terms of yeah what maybe a question for you why why have you been dedicated to service for these last 20 years in terms of love and and serving so many people through your workshops and retreats? Well, I was very fortunate to be in Osho's presence for 16 years. I was in his community for 26 years, so I stayed on nine years after he left his body. And while I was in his community, I was simply drinking 
like a sponge, just drinking in his love and compassion. And it was like I was digging deeper and deeper inside. And finally, I hit pure source water that came out like a geyser. <laughs> and since then, I'm just sharing out of my gratitude. So it's basically an overflowing of gratitude and love. And I have a, a divine purpose, I could say, which has always been there within, but I wasn't ready to draw it out till I'd been really steeped in Osho's compassion for many years. And that is to help humanity to flower, to open, to attain our radiant potential. And it's been a calling since I was a very young child. So I'm really tuned to the collective and I want to be in service for the collective to grow, open and evolve. Mm. And uh, having been steeped in meditation and also in Tantra, in holistic healing, I really took time to assess what is it that's lacking for humanity to evolve. And what I found was the, the magical alchemy that's contained in Tantra is what is missing. Because if we can find harmony within ourselves through our own inner male-female balance, and then we share that with another so we find harmony in relationship, and then we keep on spreading that into our families, into our communities, we will have a harmonious world. Mm because basically Tantra is all about weaving together opposites and in the meeting of the opposites, we find wholeness. So it's very simple recipe. I'm a Taurus, so I'm very earthy and I just like to find simple solutions. And I think human happiness always starts from ourselves and then the ripples spread into the collective. Yeah, and it is simple, right? It's, it's very simple. way more simple than the mind, whatever you want to call it, the ego, the monkey mind, whatever we, however we describe it. There seems to be that, I always use the word simplicity is divinity. I've been saying that for many years because mm. even when my, my thinking mind wants to complicate things and make out it's so, you know, mm. worked out something or overthinking, mm. when we drop into really, you know, the space of love mm. and we connect to that space, <clears throat> everything seems simple or even nature you know I, I don't like to separate us from nature but when you sit and just be with nature you you, you feel the simplicity of it right yeah it, it seems to have an ease to it it, it has a flow a yeah. natural flow an alignment and everything is singing together right it's like there's a kind of resonance that is there and only human beings have somehow stepped out of that resonance mm -hmm. But we can come back to it mm -hmm. quite easily. And I'm sure you've experienced this when we do a group and then we offer the space for people to just tumble back into who they really are. It doesn't take very long. It takes a few days and people are completely happy, blissful, overflowing, mm -hmm. inner ecstasy is activated. Of course, people become aware that they're carrying some kind of burdens or wounds from their conditioning, childhood, right. ancestral, etc. But then once you know that this is there, you can go about healing that. And it is possible to heal all these various burdens that we right. carry. Because yeah. it's actually not our fault. 
it was done to us, and we can undo that. <laughs> yeah, and actually, when you were speaking at the beginning, you said like there's this 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 harmony, and then when the you said when the two poles you know come together and you meet in the in the middle, it's also important. Or I'd love to know your view on this is of not to just demonize that and say we're bad, humans are bad, but actually acknowledge mm. that there's just been part of the journey. And then mm. when we come into the presence of somebody like yourself or an environment where we can get to look at that. Mm-hmm. Then we can go, okay, so that part of us also just wants to be loved and acknowledged and felt mm-hmm. and seen, right? It's not that, because I find sometimes it's like, I don't know, again, I'd love to know your view on this. I mean, you was 26 years as well in the Osho uh, um, ashram. And how would you describe that turbulence, you know, and you, you, even the wounds? Like, yeah, what's been your unfolding from that within yourself and then now working with others? Do you see like a pattern? Is, there, is it just like, you know, is there a simple thread to why that wounds are there or that pain? The wounds that yeah. people carry. Yeah, like because you've been working with, you know, thousands of people. Have yeah. you sort of, you're spotting a pat- pattern? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a pattern. <clears throat> it's when we get cut off from our roots. Just think of a bonsai tree. You know, the, that's meant to be a huge tree. And then systematically as it's growing, the roots are cut and then it can't grow to its full potential because the roots need to go as deeply into the earth as the branches go in the sky. So roots are systematically cut and it grows to be a dwarf tree. Mm -hmm. And this is what has happened to humanity. Our roots, meaning first chakra, sexuality, animality, these aspects within us have been systematically cut, trimmed, repressed, and then we can't find our way to grow into our full potential. Mm-hmm. So part of the work is obviously reclaiming our roots and letting these roots go very deep. And I'm sure you've heard this saying in Tantra, no mud, no lotus. Mm-hmm. And this is a very beautiful saying because it's indicating that the lotus has its roots deep in the mud at the bottom of the lake. And then the stem of the lotus grows up, that's symbolizing our chakra system. And flowers on the surface of the lake, symbolizing the crown chakra opening. But if there is not that mud, there can be no lotus. So in that sense, we need to accept, love and embrace our animal nature. And then we can begin refining that through a process of meditation, tantra practice, opening into our full consciousness potential. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, I haven't actually heard it described like that before so beautifully, so I appreciate that visual. Mm. Um, I was speaking to Aaron the other day on a talk as well, and we were talking about sexuality and the disconnection from our sexuality and how Tantra is one of the practices, or definitely the one that you're teaching, of course, is Mm. the embodiment of sexuality, but many other modalities, not to compare them, but they Mm. miss out the sexuality, the root. Mm. And I know, again, I'm referencing your background, and Osho was very mm-hmm. much about going into that taboo of sexuality. And yeah. why, why, do, why, why do you feel, again, I'm, I'm drawing on your experience from you know, many years in the field, and for people listening, some of them may know this, but just, you know, some may be listening to this for the first time, uh, that cut off from our sexuality, you know, what, why, why was that? Why, why did we get cut off from our sexuality? Which is, the, which is the source, right? This is where we came from, in essence. Mm-hmm. You know, the seed, the life, creation, mm-hmm. boom, you know? And then mm-hmm. is it, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, for me, it's like, 
there's such a force there and a power mm-hmm. that, you know, if that's not known or, or um, not known how to deal with that, then mm-hmm. naturally we would, right, try to cut it away, right? That's what I've come up with. It's like mm-hmm. we try to hide that power because we, we didn't know how to use it. Well, I think it's something a little worse than that. I think it was a direct manipulation. Right. Because just think of a bull and think of an ox. An ox used to be a bull. What happened? The bull got the balls cut and then it becomes very docile and it will carry your burdens. Mm. So I think this has been deliberately done to humanity to control humanity. It's not something that just happened because think of our pagan ancestors, the pagans, the Gnostics, the people of the earth. They never thought about cutting off their sexuality. They never thought about taming themselves in that way. That was something that was deliberately done to to make us into slaves, like like, uh, oxen. And it's a travesty, it's a tragedy, because as we all know, when you repress the sexuality, it goes into warped directions. And we all know the examples of that, that happen in the world with Catholic priests, etc. So this is uh, abhorrent that this has happened, and we need to come back to a state of honoring and worshiping the genitals, where we came from, honoring the feminine, honoring the divine masculine, and letting these play and dance together in the light of awareness and love. Mm. Yeah, and then that's where the, tr- the real transformation happens, because once that takes place inside of ourselves, then naturally mm. that starts to feed out into, into life. Yes. And we were just talking, funnily enough, this morning at, at, um, uh, at lunch, just before we came here, around, again, this integration of all these energy centers and once they're integrated there's an opportunity to really find solutions right Mm -hmm. to invite Mm -hmm. solutions into the space yes it it happens very naturally because it awakens our capacity for genius Mm. we are all born with that capacity to find our superpower and to find our genius and of course that will happen by journeying through the chakra system opening up the potential that's stored in different energy centers. Mm. And there was another thing, because you were talking about cutting off from the roots, but another thing that's been cut, which I think is super important to address, is emotional fluidity. And this is very much represented by the divine feminine, by Shakti, because Shakti is wild, like the weather. The weather is changeable. It keeps a dynamic balance in our environment. And likewise, the flow of our emotions keeps a dynamic balance in our internal climate of the body. Mm. And it is something that the, the feminine is a custodian of emotional states, in a sense. And so just as the, the masculine sexuality, the bull, has, has his balls cut, the feminine has had her emotionality cut as well. Right. And so these are two very important powers that have been repressed. And Osho was really focusing on allowing emotional fluidity in the light of awareness, in the light of meditation, and also allowing sexuality as well in the light of awareness. And bringing awareness to both of these is what makes all the difference. Because, of course, people are very afraid if we just let our sexuality and our emotions run amok, 
then everything will be chaos. So there's a fear around right. it. But if you apply loving awareness to these elements within us, then you will discover that they contain so much power and energy which can be uh, used as we evolve into more and more of our capacity for genius. Mm, yeah, and we can use that with our clear intentions, right? That mm -hmm. We realize that our intention then becomes our power, a powerful mm -hmm. uh, contributor to using that, that life force, mm -hmm. that energy. Yeah. yeah, so that that in itself is is extremely powerful, mm -hmm. but we're almost. Um, I sometimes describe it as like we're playing with the invisible, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we're playing with the invisible, and it's hard for many that have been so suppressed and had, as you described, these aspects of ourselves cut off, mm -hmm. to then to welcome them back in. Yeah. So maybe you could share like what's what's a way that people can start welcoming that back in right how can we start to welcome our emotionality back in and, and even start to reconnect to our genitals mm -hmm. right what's some of the, the the you know maybe a few little you know just invitations or tools that maybe pop up you know there's different ways but one way is allowing and giving space to our inner child because the inner child is very spontaneous and then what happens is like when we're very young we're so spontaneous, we're jumping all over the place, we're doing many things, we're inventive, mm -hmm. and then we're told, behave, sit, don't move, shut up. And so then we repress the spontaneity and the result will be anger. Then we will start having tantrums and we're told, stop, you cannot have a tantrum. Right. I remember being a child and having a tantrum and my mom brought a bucket of cold water and she said, if you continue, I'm pouring this cold water on you. So <laughs> that was a clear message. I continued. She poured the cold water. So that was a clear message. This is not allowed. Right. And then again comes the repression. And then the next layer will be sadness. And of course, boys are told, boys don't cry. That's not a boyish thing to do. Yeah. So that gets repressed. Girls are allowed somehow to cry, but it's not really condoned. Yeah. And then the next level will be depression. And then depression is accepted by the society and you're given pills and then you can somehow function. Function, yes. Function. Yes. So as we start going into our emotions, we will again access these different layers and it will finally lead to our spontaneous and true nature. Yeah. And we need to allow it in a, I would say, a safe container as is offered like in Osho dynamic meditation or there's another very uh, powerful meditation Osho offers, pillow beating. Yes. So to release anger and this is just fabulous it only takes 10 minutes right. and we can release the anger and then we take it into silent meditation become a witness of our body mind and emotions mm. and there's another meditation i love very much it's called becoming the emotions meditation mm. so we give space to all the range of emotions for about 20 minutes and then we sit in silence and we witness body mind and emotions for 20 minutes and this is just incredibly liberating yeah i haven't done i haven't heard of that one before 
We haven't done no. It's so that's, marvelous. So, so, so that's like allowing, just allowing whatever wants to move, anger, sadness. Yes. In a, in a cathartic way, of course, yeah. similar to what is happening in the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even be on a yoga mat. So you can be on the floor. You could be standing. Doesn't matter. You have a safe space that nobody should disturb you of during course. that time. Yeah. And you just let the full range flow through you. And you even might exaggerate it. Yeah. Bring it in. Bring it, it in. Yes. Heighten it. Yes. Allow it. So you might jump from from screaming, crying, beating pillow, in anger, yeah. maybe uh, laughing, joy, like whatever is washing through you, mm. fear, yeah. uh, spontaneity, just let it all move. The, the secret is to move it through your body to become very, very active. Mm-hmm. Don't just sit there and think about it. Yeah. Oh, yes, I think I'm feeling fear. No, that will not move the energy. Right. You need to shiver in fear, feel it, yeah. feel the sadness, oh, let it move all the way through yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, give it voice, give it expression. Mm-hmm. I and loved your demonstrations. You just reminded me of your demonstrations and the thing. Carry on, carry on. Don't <laughs> let me stop you. So uh, then some people might think, okay, that's very good. I'm going to do that. But they might forget the silent part. Silent part is as important as the cathartic part. Right. This is super important. Then you become a witness because you stirred up a lot of turbulence and you are then applying witnessing consciousness to that. So you just close your eyes and you witness your body, the breath coming in and out, the mind, whatever thoughts are there, and your emotions, just witnessing without any judgment. Mm -hmm. And that should be equal to the time that you have been releasing. Mm -hmm. And then that will create a tremendous inner balance. And what it will lead to is that when the storms of life come, to you, you will automatically be able to express it safely and then become a witness of it. So it will ultimately create tremendous balance within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was doing that, I'm like, it's it's giving you more of an an intelligent way of engaging with this energy rather than just allowing it become stagnant, toxic, and then creating all these stories and attachments that we put onto them that take us sometimes into like a feedback loop from hell, right? So we were overthinking with feeling, the feeling is the negative Mm -hmm. thought, and it goes round and round and round. Exactly. And this is a way, and I mean, that's one of the things, as you know, I've loved about Osho's uh, teachings. I I haven't, obviously wasn't in the experience you was, but when I first got to, taste them I was like wow there's great medicine in here and I and I hadn't read any book of his at the time I didn't really know anything about him as as a you know I still don't really you know you know way way more than me of course but yeah there was just something that for me and I'm, I'm you know I'm very active anyway and I'm very physical so it was like that just seemed to give everything in the mm-hmm. dynamic for me I was like I could express myself I could I could even you know Tap into those manic madness. Yeah, madness. Is <laughs> <laughs> exactly the madness, right? Because we're not given permission, are we, to be mad? Exactly. You, like, um, I love what Eckhart Tolle says. He said, if, "If you saw everybody walking down the road, actually speaking what is going on in their mind out loud, mm-hmm. you would see that everybody is totally crazy, right?" Mm-hmm. But when we see somebody on the street doing that. We sort of judge them and walk away from them and go, oh, this person is crazy. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that, that they are actually just communicating what's going inside of us too, right? Mm-hmm. It was that, mm-hmm. I love that analogy. So I can't be sat next to such a beautiful being and also having been in that experience with Osho. Now, I know from meeting you that you are your own 
divine being and you've taken what you've learned from there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure many people often want to talk to you about Osho and so on. Mm -hmm. But just for the viewers, I would love to, for you. He's been such a controversial character. He's mm -hmm. so you know, out there. And then, of course, they put this documentary out there recently, which I've also listened to other some sannyasas that is, you know, it's one side of the story and that's fine. And I don't want to talk about that, but I'd love maybe in your words, what was what was the essence of Osho's message, regardless of what people project onto him, just from your experience? what Because, you know, you've had a, a you know, an in-person journey with him and then, of course, taken that even further, right, mm. through yourself in your unique way. But does that feel alive in you? Are you happy mm -hmm. to share that? Just to just yeah. to give your, your, your bringing him into the space through you. I would love that. So as far as I know, the essence of his message is enlightenment is possible for every human being. And he dedicated his life to revealing ways and means for attaining that utilizing anything that the human being is. So in other words, there is no excuse mm -hmm. because there are multiple doors to go on the journey from. If you have anger, use that as a meditation. If you have sexual energy, use that as your door that becomes your portal. If you have anything going on in your life, that can become the door. Just bring witnessing meditation and love, understanding, compassion to that life experience. And this, of course, is a very tantric message. So personally, having been in his physical presence for so many years, I witnessed that whatever he was doing was out of love and compassion. I never saw him deviate from that. So every breath was dedicated to the enlightenment of all beings. And he was simply emanating love and compassion in everything that he did. Now, he also did very controversial things, but that was also in service. Maybe not everybody is able to understand what he did. And I remember on many occasions he would say or do something, and in that moment I couldn't understand and maybe 10 years later, suddenly, I would get it. Mm. Oh, oh, so that's what that was. Okay, good. I got it. It took time for me to discover that through my own lived experience. And he was the first one to say, to doubt him, to doubt whatever he's saying, just to go on the journey, go on our own exploration, and then let truth be revealed through our own lived experience. Mm -hmm. But he was indicating many signposts along the way which we could use, which would help us. Mm -hmm. And he focused a lot on deconditioning. He hammered the shit out of our conditioning right. because we need that. Otherwise, we're so conditioned. We're almost like robots if we, if we just go with the narration that's given to us as we're growing up. Mm. And that needs to be hammered on, cracked open. We need to find what is our own unique truth. Right. Yeah, so I'd love you to give an example, because I know you did to us when we were together in the, the retreat, but give an example of uh, a sort of hammering our conditioning. Because, you know, this, I mean, obviously, utilizing the... The meditations was one, right? Mm -hmm. Really going into the catharsis, going into the dynamics. But what, mm -hmm. what example could you share 
of, of what that what that what that requires because somebody might listen and go and hammering our conditioning what does that mean but what what what's required for us to do that so he would actually use many different kinds of devices and one of the devices he used was telling jokes mm. because people would have that idea oh a spiritual master has to be very serious and and the idea of a spiritual master telling dirty jokes is unheard of so i always remember the time he told the first dirty joke uh he was giving very beautiful discourses so poetic so exquisite taking us to the peaks of spirituality but then of course as you're listening to a discourse there might come a tendency to nod off so you would see in the audience certain people kind of you know getting sleepy as they're listening to these amazing elevated discourses and then one day out of the blue he suddenly told the most foul and filthy joke you could ever possibly imagine right and people were in such a shock i was also sitting there and i was looking around and people were like it's like they didn't know what had happened to their master has he gone crazy mm-hmm. should i get up and walk out should i stay should i laugh should i cry it was it was such an a moment right and then he went on from there to just integrate jokes as a regular part of his discourse later on many years later i was uh, reading about the accelerated learning method and this is really interesting that they say for people to learn much much faster and for the learning to go deeper it has to follow a certain format which is 20 minutes discourse followed by resting with baroque music and as a integrated part of the learning there should be dirty jokes <laughs> and the That's reason similar. is yeah the reason is because that stimulates all the senses it stimulates our sexuality and through that all the senses get activated and when all the senses are activated the learning immediately goes to the deepest part of the brain right so i think there was a method within his right. apparent madness with those dirty jokes right because there was the shock effect it woke people up and it allowed his teaching to sink even deeper through the laughter mm. so at first some people were super insulted by his jokes and then gradually people started asking him to tell jokes about their culture mm. you know oh you haven't told any joke about my culture why i feel left out you know so then it became a thing and he had like three joke writers preparing jokes for him wow and that's why you started telling jokes yeah of course because you sit there and listen for years to your master telling jokes and then it just went in in so i have a huge library of jokes inside and uh i remember osho saying that any time there are sanyasins together you will know that they are osho sanyasins because they'll start telling jokes automatically mm. and this is actually true right <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to have a joke you know that but before that I, <laughs> before that do you know what's so beautiful because you know i'm i'm just passionate about laughter and i feel that laughter's lost in our society right i mm. and i don't i don't want to just make that as a blanket statement but i don't meet many people who are laughing right a lot of the times so i just don't and you know i love to laugh i love to i make people laugh and and i'm kind of crazy and and silly and 
and so on. And, and part of this journey into myself has, has allowed me to actually access that silly, mm-hmm. playful, whatever, you know, not really care about what comes out. Often say things that are so random, so random. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes I myself, I go, where did that come from? Dara looks at me sometimes, <laughs> like, where did that come from? I'm like, hmm, I don't know, right? So what I'm hearing is just the potency and power of humor, mm-hmm. right? And I know Osho's written about this and, and you've mentioned this, but you mm-hmm. said something to me at dinner the other night, but like laughter is a, a, a force, right? It's a power. It's a superpower. Right. In fact, if you want to get out of the matrix, <clears throat> one of the number one ways is through laughter. Because if you think about it, the people who are holding the keys and and keeping everyone oppressed are deadly serious. They are heavy people. So the like they have no control over love or over laughter because they're not able to love and they're not able to laugh. So they have no idea how what to do with this energy. Right. The more we laugh, the more we celebrate, the more we love, mm. the more quickly we will be out of this illusory matrix mm. that is holding humanity as kind of hostage. Right. So we need to spread laughter. That's really, really important. Mm. And I think if anybody wants to demonstrate, for example, they should just play amazing music, get up and boogie, laugh, tell jokes. This is the superpower that will take you out of the matrix. Yeah. Because you play, you're not playing the game the way right. it is being played. Right. Like you, you're not going into this violence and deadly seriousness and misery and right. believing bullshit and talking bullshit. No, you, you're just expressing your freedom to love and to laugh. That's mm, it. And I to dance. That. And to dance and to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the master key, actually. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, and, and as, as I'm hearing as you speak, I'm hearing this idea of, you know, hammering the conditioning. And again, the conditioning on so many levels stays there because of the seriousness. Mm-hmm. The seriousness keeps it alive, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, because as a friend of mine who's, also shared some time with through Osho, Mark Itzla. You may know his, you may have known his uh, mother, Leela, Leela, mm-hmm. uh, Leela Itza. But mm-hmm. she, um, she took on the, um, the Mystic Rose. Yeah, the Mystic right. Rose. So yeah. the, the 21 days, right, of, yeah. of um, laughing, crying and in silence. Yeah. And we got the opportunity to have a taste of that. And it was really this sense of, how many stories, judgments, can, let's call it conditioning that was there to block the laughter and the tears. Exactly. Yeah? Like, I can't laugh like this. Who are they? They can't laugh that long. It's not possible. Um, you know, who, like, I'm not going to be able to cry for this long. I'm crying. I can't cry. You know, this, <laughs> right? And, you, <laughs> and that, was, that was my experience. It was just like, wow, there's so much mental noise right now. We're actually... We're just laughing and crying, right? Which the body yeah. does and can do very naturally. Yeah. So, so it makes sense for me. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that, that, mm-hmm. that a, a way of hammering that is through, you know, um, through laughter, through joy, through really activating that within our body. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And one, one, one thing I heard as well, just to sort of wrap up the Osho thing, I'm, I'm hearing that he also played very much with... Um, uh, the paradox, right? The, mm-hmm. the paradox of life and, and sort of 
the, some of the videos I've seen of his ride really like flips things upside down, which, yes. which break the, the, the way that we've been conditioned to think, right? Yeah, this is, that, that is such an amazing device because he was a master of debate before he became a guru. He used to travel all over India and he was entering into debates which is an ancient art form in India, mm-hmm. like the spirituality reached to such great heights because they had this tra- tradition of debate. And whoever could really uh, make their point in a way that it could not be argued against right. would be the winner. And then that would keep taking the spiritual, uh, the spiritual vision to new heights, to new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so he was a master of debate. He could literally win any argument from any angle. And so in his discourses, he really played with that. Like one day he would say something about whatever it was, and then you would be listening to that discourse and say, yes, this this is the ultimate truth. It's not possible that there's anything more ultimate than that. Next day... He would give a discourse exactly contradicting that, that he had said the day before, and even more powerfully, so you would say, oh, no, 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 that, of course, yesterday was illusory. This is the truth. This is the absolute truth. And so he kept playing like that, and after some time, the mind simply implodes on itself. It can't deal with it because mind likes to choose sides. Right. This is it. This is it. And so you would be forced to expand vast enough to contain contradictions. Mm. And of course, this is opening the door to our genius when we're able to do that, to expand ourselves vast enough to contain all the contradictions that exist in life. Mm. And so I'm sure he enjoyed playing in this way. And it was absolutely phenomenal. It was such an artistic phenomena to to observe and to experience him doing that and that certainly cracked through a lot of conditioning yeah because you get to see your own patterns playing out right like you said in this moment of like thinking it's the absolute and then boom that gets shattered if you keep going through that over a period of years Mm -hmm. that's going to support you in not being attached Mm -hmm. to what's coming and going right because it's all just coming in rising passing coming and going Mm -hmm. And our ability to just hold that without being identified to it Mm. gives a sense of freedom, right? A sense of liberation. And he would play with people with this kind of contradictory elements. Like I remember one time we had a guest in the ashram, Coleman Barks. He's He's known as an incredible translator of Rumi poetry. So he was there and... Then suddenly Osho said that he's sick and he can't come out for his regular discourse. And he asked Coleman Barks to sit in his place and recite Rumi poetry. So this was a huge honor, of course, and the disciples were simply blown away and they were like almost deifying Coleman Barks and there he was sitting (laughs) and giving Rumi poetry. And then the next night, oh my God, Osho hammered the shit out of Rumi and out of Sufism and out of, you know, the whole thing. And he told Coleman Barks that you need to take a new step, which will be into Zen. And that the heart can only go so far. And then you need to bring in witnessing, meditation, da-da-da. So he gave a whole discourse and he proved his point like with full exquisite uh, 
points about everything. And so he was working not only on the collective, but also on individuals. This is just one example. Right. He did this over and over and over again. He would take an individual and through them, he would deliver a teaching to the collective. Mm. And of course, blow the mind of the individual while he's doing that work. And how did, and how did this, uh, this guy respond to that? He was uh, quite graceful, actually. Yeah. I think he was shocked, very, very shocked. Of course, anybody would be, because also you have the intensity of the master behind the action. So his incredible, enlightened, vast presence, which, uh, which is so powerful. It's, you can't really describe that and how that affects someone who's in that presence. Mm. But uh, he, I think he was understanding intellectually what Osho was doing, but maybe he was also affected emotionally, right. which is understandable. Because you might have been identified to that too. Like, yeah, of and, course. And to that teaching that he obviously was very passionate because about. Because Osho was breaking that identification yeah. <clears throat> on yeah. some level, out of compassion, obviously, mm -hmm. helping him to go to the next level. And it's not to say that Zen is better than Sufism, it's more about breaking the containers that we get attached to right, yeah. and, and helping us to expand beyond those containers. Right, yeah, that's how I'm interpreting it. I, I have to bring this up for you because I think that you've been through this process, you're holding space, you know, you're very revered and respected by many people that come to you and they want to learn from you and listen to your wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's this sense where we're moving now and I'd love to hear your, your take on this where... I've been hearing and seeing that this sense of this age of the guru, yeah, mm -hmm. this age of the guru is, is mm -hmm. coming to a death. We're, mm -hmm. we're transcending the age of the guru and yes. we're moving into this uh, um, ability, if we're open to it, to welcome in that sense of what the gurus were doing. And they have been amazing, let's mm -hmm. say, stepping stones, but welcoming in that essence into the individual. And I'd love to hear if you, I'm sure you've heard this, right? I see you nodding and saying yes. So can, are you happy to share a few words on that? Yeah. I'd love to hear that because it's definitely been a theme that's popped up for me a few times. I've, uh, I've heard Charles Eisenstein speak about this so poetically as well. So please, I'd love to hear your take on that. You know, on this subject, Osho had given very powerful discourse about Buddha and the phenomena of Maitreya. Ma Maitreya. Maitreya. Mm -hmm. There, you know, uh, there are statues of Buddha in his so-called second coming as Lord Maitreya. Okay. And Maitreya means the friend. So the theosophists were preparing Krishnamurti to become the vehicle for the Maitreya. And at the last minute, uh, Krishnamurti rejected. I read this. And then he said he's, uh, that truth is a pathless land, exactly. no guru, da-da-da. So that was his discourse on that subject. And then Osho spoke about the phenomenon. He said that people are actually misunderstanding what Maitreya is meaning. It means that the age of the guru is coming to an end and the age of the friend is coming to us. Mm -hmm. And that everyone, I got ting I got everyone is the friend, everyone is the guru. That we are maturing as a species so that we can uh, learn from life itself through others, through the friend, through through an animal, through a cloud, I don't know, like right. yeah. the whole of existence is the friend. The whole of existence is leading us towards a great festival within and without. 
And we just need to develop our awareness to the point where we can understand and we can recognize this. And indeed, my very first guru was a dog. <laughs> so I could really relate to that when Osho spoke about it. Because I literally had a dog save my life and point me the way in the right direction on my path. And that was a, a, the act of a guru. So right. I have to say, yes, my first guru was a dog. Right. And I always say, anyway, dog reversed is God. Yes. Right? So I know we play yeah. with that. We spoke about that earlier briefly. But, but I love this. And, and this is definitely something that's been moving through me as well. right? And mm. through people I've met is this sense of just seeing, honoring and seeing the divinity in every single thing that we meet, right? The exactly. sacred, the sacred is, it can't just be in one area, right? Because mm. that would be, that wouldn't actually correlate to the, the great mystery and the wonders that we see everywhere, right? Mm. If it was just here, whereas that sort of compartmentalizing, that, that boxing limits the, the expansion mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. so much more. So, the thing is, I'm sure that so many people have had that experience where you're with your lover and suddenly the lover is the guru. The lover becomes divine. The lover is giving you a transmission. Right. You're receiving that and you feel overwhelmed with gratitude. You feel like bowing down, touching their feet, showering them with flowers because so much love is pouring through you. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, is the experience we have with a guru. But we can have this experience in so many ways. Yes. We can have it with a redwood tree. Right. We can have it with a river. We can have it with a sea. Mm. It's available to us all around mm. us. It's just that we maybe didn't find the way to open ourselves to that. Mm. But more and more, I think people are eager to open ourselves to life itself as the guru. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> ah, I'm getting tingles all over my body. <laughs> and you know what? I'm loving I get so many ideas popping here. We could talk for days, right? Because I know yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly, <laughs> I'm slowly you know, weaning, 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 weaning it out of you. But it's really bringing, you know what it's bringing me to? We have to talk about this because this really is the essence of your work, right? Or mm -hmm. I feel it is. Of course, I've only had a loose sample of, of your, your teachings and your offerings. The power of partnership. Mm. Don't you think we need to bring that in? Yeah, I definitely. I think we have to bring that into this conversation. Yeah. And I think with you, um, because this isn't to exclude, um, you know, different sexes um, or different gender, but like you really spoke beautifully on the retreat about, yeah, just the potency and the power that we can transform and, and even transcend ourselves through partnership mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. through divine partnership union whichever term you like to use mm -hmm. that's how we can also be a great force of rippling out what's possible in the world but you can put it in your words of course but yeah <laughs> does that feel that feels like a nice topic to bring in yeah i'm very passionate about it right good uh it's one of the main um arenas in my life that i've explored is is traveling the path as lovers, as a path to enlightenment. Mm. And I've heard it said that there's a Tantra saying that traveling the path of relationship in Tantra is the fastest path to enlightenment, but it's like walking on a razor's edge. Mm -hmm. And very early on, on my path, on my journey, I decided I'm going to take that journey. I'm going to walk the razor's edge. I'm going to face 
whatever is there, whatever it takes. And this is my path to enlightenment. And so taking on that challenge is a wild journey, wild, but it is also simultaneously very rapid, like taking a speed train. Mm. And it takes huge awareness, great dedication, a lot of love, but it's worth every minute of it, every minute of the suffering, every minute of the inner ecstasy, every minute of everything in between. Right. It's just the most incredible journey we can take as human beings. Mm. This is my opinion. And I think it's very sad that it's been cast aside in terms of spirituality. Right. Like you, you, you rarely hear about that as a spiritual path. It's what do you almost mean the idea of being with another. Being with another as a spiritual path. Like, right. where do you find these teachings? Mm. And because it was so difficult to find these teachings, even though I found these teachings with Osho, but it, from other sources, it's very difficult to find these teachings. And so I decided this has to be an offering that I will bring to the world because people need it. Like, for example, people ask questions. I do weekly satsangs and people ask questions. The majority of the questions are around love and relating and sexuality. Right. This is a topic which is so alive in people. Right. It's always, and it's always been very, very alive. And then people are told, no, you have to cut off from relationship. You have to renounce the world, go to a cave in the Himalayas. If you're spiritual, you shouldn't be concerned with sex. So it's like we are told to be schizophrenic around this subject. Why? Because there's a basic fear of one, the feminine, the wildness of shakti, two, emotions, three, sexuality, how to handle it, how to deal with it. Like if you go to many different spiritual gurus and you just ask your very basic questions around relationship, around sexuality, they will not answer that. So uh, I have been on this journey and I had uh, the, the great gift of being guided by Osho on the journey of relationship, also alone, but also uh, around the subject of relationship being given meditations to practice, being guided on the ups and downs of relationship and learning so much about it. So it's in my bones, blood and marrow. Mm -hmm. And it's my joy to share that with couples. I offer seven levels for couples. It takes three and a half years and it goes yeah, in. Let people listen to that. Hear what, hear what Sarita just said. It takes three and a half years, the, the, the process that she's created. We experience uh, the seven days, right? One one aspect of that. One level. One level. One level of that, which is this. You call it the soulmate training, right? Yeah, soulmate training. Yeah. So it's just the reason why I want to repeat that because sometimes right here, because often in my experience, people want the quick fix, yeah. especially in relationship. We come into relationship, it's like, oh, it's challenging, you know. <laughs> after after whatever six months a year, sometimes from the beginning, and that challenge is actually yeah. the opportunity. But the often opportunity. we run away from that challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I speak. Yeah. Go on. Carry on. Sorry, I just wanted to really heighten that three and a half years of the training. So three and a half years is actually very very fast, because if you think about it, you spent many years learning how to be very fucked up in relationship. <laughs> right. So you have to unwind all that conditioning as well as opening to your fuller potential. 
And if you think about it, when we meditate alone, we can come into inner peace, bliss, and expansion of our being. And then we get together in relationship and it all, it, the shit hits the fan. Right. And we wonder what happened, what happened to my attainment that I had. Right. And then we start blaming the other that you fucked it up. Right. It's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Right. And actually the relationship is a third entity. And the way to open, heal and expand in love is to meditate with this third entity. In other words, bring meditation into the relationship and into your sexuality. Because sexuality is what really stirs the pot, isn't it? Right. When we go into sex, it opens into strong emotional states. Right. So this is the number one area we need to bring our meditative awareness if we want to evolve in terms of relationship. And by the way, it will help us evolve personally as well. Yes. And I think this is the challenge we came to this earth to, to learn, mm. actually. And of course, it means that you need to understand someone who is diametrically opposite to you because male and female brains are created in different ways. The male and female attitudes to life are different. The, the male and female experiences around sexuality are different. So we need to not only understand ourselves, but understand the other, bring these together mm. and find that place of meeting where two opposites meet. And of course, this is the essence of Tantra, when we discover the magical alchemy where two opposites meet. Right, in harmony. So, so three and a half years is really very basic amount of time yeah. to go into this experience and... So what I've done is to take many different aspects of love, sexuality, and relationship right. and create seven levels. So they work together synchronistically. You do level one, and then you have, as you know, 21 love appointments. And you practice your 21 love appointments, and then you're welcome to the level two. If you didn't finish those 21 love appointments, you're not allowed to come back to the level two. Right. So this takes discipline, even though, of course, it's a very pleasurable kind of homework. Mm -hmm. But it is challenging still. It, it the is resistance challenging. comes up, you know, it doesn't want to come. Distractions come in, yes. reasons why maybe it's not working, try to come in. I love what you said. I'm just going to jump in here and say this. Is you said that lovely thing on the training. The ego is going to come in sometimes, all the reasons not to come. You're going to be in an argument, whatever, but you've set your love appointment and that is when it's going to happen. So before you walk in the room, Put your ego in a suitcase or put it in the bag, leave it outside, do your love appointment, and if you want to after, go and pick it up again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you need that much discipline. Right. Because we apply scheduling and discipline to everything in our lives. You know, you have the appointment for the hairdresser, for the job, for the, the meeting you have to show up for, the birthday party, whatever. You make meetings and schedules Constantly. for everything. But people don't schedule any quality time with their lover. Mm -hmm. So this is a tragedy. It means that you've put it at the lowest rung of your priorities. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, around 11 o'clock at night, maybe you have some lousy sex because both are very tired. And then you wonder why the relationship is suffering. So we need to make quality time to be with our lover where we have no distractions. We know that this is going to be a time we're just together. And whatever comes up is fine. We give space for that within the sacred container mm -hmm. of the love appointment. Yeah. 
And of course, in each level, I cover different themes. So in the first level, it's about intimacy. The next level, it's going to be 14 love appointments, and we're focusing on working with the chakra system and the energy bodies, the, the auric field. So this is very, very powerful work. Mm -hmm. It does huge transformation. And then in the third level, we go into the senses, exploring the senses, exploring how to last longer in sex, working with the male and the female, the yin and the yang, the peaks and valleys. And so in that series, you are going to be making love for two hours at a time. And so the dance continues and for seven levels like this. Wow. And each level builds one on the next. Mm, yeah. And I've seen so many miracles happen through this training that I just got used to it. It's like, obviously, a miracle will happen. Mm. If people continue with the practice, the miracle will happen. Right. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. And you said something, um, yeah, lovely about that ar around um, how people, couples have come to you as well where their, their relationships are in disarray. They're mm -hmm. like completely crumbling. They haven't even connected for, I think if I remember rightly, 10 or 15 years mm -hmm. probably that they've been together mm -hmm. in this sort of, you know, monotonous mm -hmm. routine that I'm sure many listening might, might even relate to that, yeah? Mm -hmm. and, and even Dara and I noticed that we were definitely not doing what you just described, which is mm -hmm. making a full commitment to our love appointments. And I've noticed just even in these 21, how we started off like that and the last seven, we haven't scheduled it in like mm. you taught us to, mm. right? And you just reminded me right now yeah. that the reason why it's taking longer, these last seven, is because we haven't actually sat down and said, we're doing this like I made an appointment to be with you today. Yes, yeah? exactly. Right? Or anybody else. Yeah. So anyway, maybe just, just in essence, just speak on how, how transformed people have been when they realize again that commitment that, mm -hmm. that they've longed for anyway. Yes, because we long for quality time with our lover. So here you are scheduling in quality time and you know it's going to happen because both are very committed to that. And so that actually puts a smile on the face. Once you get used to that, uh, you see in your calendar, yes, it's going to be on that and that day. And you know you're going to get it mm -hmm. on that day. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like, yeah. you know you're going to be with your woman or the woman is going to be with her man. You know there's going to be an exchange of energies. You're going to have some plugging in right. and connecting. And you're going to go also on an ever-deepening process where you expand beyond the boundaries of the ego. Mm. So you're going to step out of time and space and just be in the zone together. And that is so nurturing. Mm. And, and there's actually no excuse why not to go there. Right. Unless we're just so addicted to our egoic pain right. that we just want to wallow in pain, you know. Of course, everybody has free choice for that. <laughs> They're allowed to do that. That's fine. You wallow in your pain. It's okay. As you're saying this, though, the distractions that, that, that we've put in place of that, when really the essence of we want to connect, it's a natural, yes. it's a natural desire of the 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 pole the poles to want to come together and alchemize right and yes. it's just natural yet we've created all these distractions um, hobbies 
stuff to put our focus in yes. where even that is an expression of still that sort of force trying to get some sort of connection <laughs> right and it's running away from the very place where it can come to it's so yes. that's paradox right there that's like yeah. irony craziness insanity yeah it's yeah. it's quite bizarre it's bizarre but it does take discipline just like any practice there comes a point where there might be resistance but we continue doing our of practice course. And then we have progressively more and more breakthroughs. And finally, we go into cruise control. We realize, wow, this is really benefiting me. And we start desiring that. Mm -hmm. We yeah. start desiring the medicine that's going to heal us, Beautiful. actually. Yeah. Lovely. I know I, 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 we're coming to a close. And I, always, I like to bring, <laughs> I just, I, I, um, we, I always like to bring that in just so that you, you know that as well. And, and. But there's something we, we must mention, I feel, I mean, there's many things we must mention, but we must mention, I feel, the medicine. And the medicine, which also you as, I, I really appreciated you for, is that when we're doing meditation, whatever that meditation is, if it's a dynamic, if it's a movement meditation, if it's a meditation with your partner, often I've experienced people that lose concentration, I call it discipline, as you know, lose the discipline, mm -hmm. lose that, that ability to stay with the practice because they don't realize that the medicine comes unexpectedly through the consistency. Yes. And I, and I think you just reminded me of that. I don't know if there's something you want to add to that, but that was really something that you highlighted because you was like, okay, you're going to go in the bedroom, you're going to do this, it's going to feel weird or whatever, but the more you do it, and I really did notice that. Like mm -hmm. after seven days of doing one thing, I'm like, oh, wow, there's real... There's real transformation taking place on a yeah. cellular level right now. Yeah, it goes ever deeper and it creates space inside to expand into all that you can be. And when you bring another person into the mix, it's even more powerful. But I'd like to speak into that because our egoic mind actually is very afraid of personal growth because it's worried that it will become useless and that, that it might even die if we expand into our fuller potential. Right. So we need to, in a way, it's like tricking the mind. And so the way that I like to take care of that is that we do a practice very intensively a certain number of times. Like after the level one, you have 21 love appointments. Then you let go of the practice and you go back into a more hedonistic way of being. You can mind fuck as much as you like, you can eat pizza, you can fuck on the kitchen table, like you just let it all hang out in whatever way it wants. And then you'll notice after some time, oh, I remember those amazing spaces when we had those love appointments and I was evolving spiritually and I had so much expansion of my being and there will come a natural thirst to go deeper. And then you start a new series of love appointments or a new series of meditations if you're doing that alone. If you tell to your mind, now every day we're going to do this for the rest of our lives, it will freak out. Mm. It cannot handle that. So we do it in stages. Just like if you want to climb Mount Everest, you're not going to just go straight up in one go. You go to a certain level, you rest, you do other things, then again you start climbing. So we need to swing between a very disciplined practice 
and also a very let go way of being. Right. And that's and why also it's taking that three years. I know it could take a lot longer, but just to allow in that, that, that dance of those two different ways of being. Yes, it's very important. And then after some time, that hedonist and that spiritual being will meet as one. And this is the point of fulfillment on all levels. Mm, where you're so, not getting pulled either way. Yeah, you just, yeah, both are merging and meeting. And this is so beautiful. So having this way of approaching the, the growth, I think is very, very important. Mm. Whether you are alone doing practices or whether you're in the couple doing practices, mm. that you do series of meditations, then you drop it. And then a new series. And each practice that we are doing has a particular nectar hidden in it. So it's like you're doing the practice till you extract the nectar and it becomes an embodying, embodied part of you. It's no longer something that you are doing. It is fully integrated in you. It becomes your inner wisdom. Yeah. And then you're ready to drop it. And then, you know, you... After some time, you'll be open to a new practice. In this way, we keep evolving, yeah. whether we're alone or in the couple. So I really recommend this as a, to all seekers. Yeah, so just one thing to throw in there is, is, again, what you said is that you will need a practice, meditation, whatever you want to call it, for as long as is required for each of the individuals, which is different for everyone, and then mm -hmm. they can extract it. And once you've taken that that nectar, that wisdom, that mm -hmm. medicine from it, you can let it go. You let it go. Yeah, and exactly. uh, Osho used to use the symbolism that we use the boat to cross the river. Then we reach the other shore. We don't carry the boat on our back as we traveling right. by land we or the out. other shore. We get out, we leave the boat there, and then we, we make our way into that terrain wherever we're going. So in the same way, meditation is like a boat. It's taking us to the next step of where we need to go. Beautiful. Lovely. Ah, okay. So, I mean, is there a small, is there a small joke? You're going to give us a small joke or not? All along, a small one. Because <laughs> I, know, I know the one you gave me the other day is a... It's, it's a like very a ten, long, it's a yeah. ten minute joke. Do you have a small one for us? Okay, end? I have a very cute one. A cute one. Give us yeah. a cute one. A cute one. A yeah. cute joke. Small and cute. Small okay. and cute. So there was this uh, very handsome frog named Doobie Doo. This is an Osho joke, obviously. So Doobie Doo, the handsome frog, one day he woke up so ecstatic. The sun was shining. He was on the edge of the lake. the The sun was shining on the lake. And then he just wanted to celebrate the feeling. So he put on his brand new white Yves Saint Laurent swimsuit. And he started taking a hop around the lake. And as he was hopping around the lake, he saw a dragonfly flitting over the water. And he puffed up his chest and he said, I am God. And the dragonfly just flew off. Then he continued hopping. He saw the fish jumping out of the water. He puffed up his chest and he said, I am God. And the fish swam away. Then he continued his hop. He came across Doreen the duck. So here in Bali, we have a lot of ducks. So I think of this joke. And so Doreen the duck looked at him and he looked at her. He said, I am God. 
Doreen the duck said, get off with you, you jerk. What are you doing saying that all around the pond this morning? You idiot. Just fuck off, piss off. <laughs> At this, Dooby Doo, the handsome frog, lowered his Yves Saint Laurent swimsuit and Doreen the duck, looking in astonishment, said, oh my God. <laughs> Funny. That was funny. <laughs> I was like, when I hear jokes sometimes, like that's not gonna get me. That got me. I had to let it drop in. I had to let it drop. <laughs> oh my god. I'm thinking sometime we should have a joke fest. We should have a joke fest. I just want to hear all your jokes. We should just record them all back to back. That would be amazing. Sometimes with friends, I like to sit around a fire and we just keep on bouncing jokes like mm. till two in the morning or something. I'd love to know some more jokes. I think I need to learn some more jokes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, give me a wow. 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 This is how I remember. And we'll always remember uh, Sarita because during the retreat, there's many moments where she'd just be like, wow, wow, all the time. And that's actually a beautiful sign of being in the wonder. So there you go, everyone. They're going to bring this to a close today. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired and there's a lot lots bubbling. I know I could speak many different topics with Sarita, but I hope you've enjoyed this little dance. As always, you can explore more of what she's offering um, via the links that you will find underneath these videos. And uh, thank, you for, thank you for tuning in. And is any last words you'd like to say to anyone listening today? A little goodbye. Anything you'd like to say to them? Pass your message. Love yourself, love another, mm. and love the whole. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This is our time to rise.